Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way. She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me this is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Arrakis Pumpkin Spice Importers. You love it in your lattes, donuts, granola, everywhere this time of year. And some folks have noticed that pumpkins themselves don't actually produce spice. What you didn't realize is that most of America's pumpkin spice is actually imported from faraway Arrakis. Yes, a sand dune might seem like a strange place to go looking for spice, but only there will you find the delicious, aromatic, fungal excretions of sand trout. (laughs) Some say it's the greatest treasure in the universe. So rest assured, Americans, the spice will flow. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White for our special autumn pumpkin spice edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. And for today, my name, Dave Perkins, the producer I now will be known henceforth as Muad Deeb. <laughs> I am the Muad'Dib, just for today. Just for today. It's a boy joke, Mickey. You're not going to get it. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But uh, welcome back, everyone. And it does appear to be that time of year again, pumpkin spice season. From your lattes to apparently your Twinkies, you can get anything you want in pumpkin spice. Now, here's my question to you, Jim Garrity. Mm-hmm. What is pumpkin spice? Is that like pumpkin pie? Because a pumpkin itself like doesn't really have much flavor. Well, as our, our interstellar sponsor suggested, you get it from sandworms that rise up from underneath the, the <laughs> desert and stuff. But uh, no, so here's so I, here's my theory. This you know somewhere in the corporation of uh, in the in the you know giant corporate skyscraper in Connecticut of of the nutmeg company, <laughs> big nutmeg, if you will. Big cinnamon or big nutmeg? No, big nutmeg. It's definitely a nutmeg eggnog sort of thing. It's a gentleman, gentleman. The only thing, you know, eggnog is keeping us alive at the end of the year. We need some way to make Americans fall in love with nutmeg again. Our supply lines to Granada have been secured for years, ever since Reagan invaded in the 80s. But we have too much. We need to buy and so what they did is they figured I out a way to put it. I the allspice people were involved as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Kind of would go into that. But um, if you shop at Trader Joe's, the entire store is now pumpkin spice everything. <laughs> Everywhere <laughs> is pumpkin spice nacho everything. Nacho chips. <laughs> what was wrong with the nacho chip that made people say, you know? There, there are things that I have now seen that I can never unsee that have been made into pumpkin spice flavored. Um, one in particular was, in fact, a seasonal pumpkin spice condom. <laughs> and I, when when you see that, you, you, you can't unsee it. And no longer am I thinking pumpkin spice latte. Now I'm th- thinking, like, people have fetishes, apparently, that we are unaware of. There was a great photo meme on the Internet a couple of weeks ago of a Mexican restaurant with a sign in the window that said, now, pumpkin spice tacos. Just kidding. Drink more tequila. I actually (laughs) stole that from you on Facebook. (laughs) I stole that meme from you because I laughed so hard. And the thing about this is I, I do believe that pumpkin spice does have some competition. And that, of course, would be salted caramel. 
Oh, that's right. That's a good point. Clearly, at some point, the corporate headquarters of the Salted Caramel Incorporated said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. Enough we of thought we had a good chunk stuff. of you know, you know, the fancy coffee and cappuccino market here, but all of a sudden, they're getting into that. And uh, uh, I guess, what, what is the next big spice? Like, like is there some so, sort of Before like, we move on, I want to share something with you um, that one of my followers shared with me. Um, and I believe it was Senator Nicely from Tennessee. He shared with me a picture of something that I, as someone who cannot eat sugar but desperately wants it all the time, mm-hmm. um, it was a moon pie covered in salted caramel. And that felt right. Does that come with the... Um the, the paddles of life, they come Who with cares? it. You know? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? See, I, like, I am totally a salted caramel girl. Um, if, if given the choice between this pumpkin spice, which to me, again, is basically like saying I like pumpkin pie flavored everything. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I understand they are now. If they called it pumpkin pie flavored, yeah. would they sell as many or is like the pumpkin spice? What no, it's cool? spice adds that exoticness, right? There's something <laughs> dangerous about it. Can you handle that? It's a habanero pumpkin spice. <laughs> it's all hot and spicy. Uh, my understanding, actually, is that we now have um, uh, foreign pumpkins coming across the border and taking away jobs from American pumpkins. And, oh, um, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is how you end up with peas in, in, in guacamole and things like that. Like, sometimes chefs get a little too experimental and they end up ruining everything for the rest of us. First of all, that whole peas and guacamole thing, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but I, I wonder if there's some type of pea surplus because suddenly peas were showing up in places they've just had no business being. And and I don't understand why chefs want to take it that far. So in my opinion, I thought maybe we had a surplus of peas this year and they were just trying to use them up. But but why do chefs take it to that next level? Have you ever heard of one that, that really just kind of threw you? Well, I was going to say that the... Um if the ketchup on hot dogs was the civil war that tore Twitter apart and left many dead in its wake, um, I kind of feel like uh, uh, peas and guacamole was a great national teachable moment. Um, I saw people, you know, was, you know, all people on Twitter who usually hate each other coming together in a warm embrace against peas and guacamole. <laughs> I believe I have found the next great uniter of all. Okay. And I came across it. Um, there is a restaurant in, of course, New York City. That is now offering what they refer to as an all-fruit barbecue sandwich. <laughs> you, you might as well have just said, it's an entirely lead radioactive material. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it was it's like- an exceptionally tall dwarf. You know, it's, it's not... Fruit is not barbecue. Maybe you can throw a pineapple on a Hawaiian one or something. You know, mm. you know fruit occasionally could be a cute little garnish on, on regular barbecue. But if you don't have a dead animal, I'm fairly certain it's not really barbecue. Uh, and I wanted to get Dave to weigh in on this as a Texan. Um, Dave? Yes, ma'am. Is this acceptable in any – like, is that even a real term, fruit barbecue? Uh, no. When I heard the words New York City – I flew into a rage. You didn't know it because I had my microphone turned off. But uh, ah. you know, we have uh, standards and rules for barbecue here that the entire world religiously follows. It is religious. It's, uh, religion is uh, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Islam, quite a few football. other football and barbecue. 
That is, <laughs> that is the, the Texas religion. And, we, and when I read it, you know, after the whole pee and guacamole thing, after I read this, I thought, you know, maybe people, you know, I, I watch Top Chef. I watch the cooking competition shows. I, I like Chopped. I don't want Chopped in my restaurants. <laughs> and I have to admit, too, I was paying half attention when I was working here on the next segment as your producer, and I suddenly realized somebody said, pee in guacamole and i thought to myself who did that oh <laughs> nice nice okay. Very barbecue, nice. you know there'll be an element of honey there'll be a, t- a bit of a sweetness to the tanginess or something like that and if some you know uh avant-garde texan <laughs> looked at that and said ah i have found that uh papaya extract gives just the right <laughs> flavoring i want to my barbecue okay fine you know but you, so you're saying that everything within the bar you showed me the picture yes the entire sandwich is made of fruit. There's no meat on it. So, so what? And are they, they're calling it a barbecue sandwich. Okay, what it looked like pulled pork. What was that? Or do I just not even want to know? I, I'm not certain because they listed some of like the the fruit that was used. I'm going to go ahead and post the article up on our Facebook page, um, and I'll go ahead and plug that now. It's facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. And uh, give it a like while you're there. But it's they listed the fruit that was involved with it, and I I believe it was shredded apple. I don't think you can shred apple like that. It's not a particularly <laughs> long fiber fruit. I was thinking papaya or coconut, shredded coconut. I, I, no, it doesn't look right either, Dave. Yeah, like, of course not. It doesn't even have like, oh, that might be barbecue. It ain't meat. How could it look right? Well, right, and like they didn't even put forth any effort as far as I. But again, I back to like who do people order that? Like it's not vegetarian; it's made of fruit. Oh, I could see you're at a party and your friend has regular barbecue because your friend wants the friendship to continue. But you know, due to a vegan friend's attendance or something like that. Oh, look! I tried making the fruit barbecue. Give it a try. And you look at it, and it's on like maybe like the mini slider roll, because you, you wouldn't want a full sandwich of this, right? You're 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 really not thinking it's going to be a good idea. But I don't want this thing to exist. <laughs> I find it to be one of those things that needs to be stopped. Like this might be my hill to die on because <laughs> when I read about it, it, it it shocked me to my core. Like Dave said, there are certain things in life I have learned since moving south of the Mason Dixon line that are exceptionally important. And one of them is the holiness of barbecue. Kill everyone in this room. The memory of that sandwich must not spread around this earth. <laughs> exactly. well, yeah, and again, like salt said, the earth, and then put barbecue rub on top of the earth. Yes, and then grill it or smoke it, whatever. But barbecue dirt. It, 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 again, I felt like after this whole pee in the guacamole thing, somebody now did that. Barbecue. Please, please we should emphasize. He's in the guacamole. Language and is everything. This is just, we've gone too far. Yeah. Okay. Now, Mickey, weren't you giving me finally the best dietary advice from scientists we'd ever heard earlier today? Yes. This is great. Um, because this goes great along with all of the, the crap that people have been feeding us recently. Um, and over the millions of years, it seems like that, you know, eggs are good, eggs are bad, you know, don't eat the yolk, eat the yolk, all of that. Well, new studies are coming out and suggesting that whole milk is actually good for you and a certain amount of saturated fats are good for you as well. 
Um, and then I saw earlier this week that the world's oldest woman, when asked about her lifespan and what she did to live so long, she's 116, mm. mind you. She said that she eats bacon every day for breakfast and then snacks on it throughout the day. Wow. So not only is she preserved, <laughs> but what she eats <laughs> is preserved. She's also cured, I guess you could say. Cured, preserved, and Perhaps. dried slightly. Smoked. Perhaps. <laughs> but I, I, I felt like this was, you know, it's one of those things where how many times have we been told, like, oh, this is really good. Like, avoid carbs. No, avoid fats. No, avoid calorie counts. Like, I think it's really important for people to find Only what? eat foods that are yellow. Right. You know, <laughs> like, it doesn't even make sense. Don't eat anything that casts a shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Vampire barbecue. (laughs) I love the ones where people won't eat anything with a face. (laughs) I can't. can't. Halloween must be really hard on those kinds of people. (laughs) (laughs) So I say, but I, I, you know, scientists, dietitians, all you folks who've given us nothing but contradictory and usually pain in the tooks advice for years and years. Thank you for finally getting it right and telling us we can drink as much whole milk and bacon as we like. Uh, Mickey, any detail on half and half? Not yet, but um, it is one of those things where apparently, again, just another study that's out there. And again, everything in moderation, including you know some of the, uh, the fun that we have along with the pop culture and other things. So in the next segment, we're going to be talking about some of the... Um, most impactful pop cultural moments over the last several years. And um, let's just say Jim and I disagree. I know you're shocked. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. Smith Barney. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. You from KTEL Records. 22 explosive hits. 22 original stars. Gallery. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. The great Sammy Davis Jr. Who the candy man can. If I were a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? Humans do have an amazing capacity for believing what they choose. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am your host, Mickey White, along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And uh, we were just getting into something that I saw this week on the Today Show. And then it led me online and then it led me to a conversation with Jim. And, and of course, needless to say, we did not agree on it as it had to do with pop culture and specifically iconic moments in pop culture history, things that we all remember from each year. Now, they do these kind of things every year, and they do it for the decade, and they do it for the century and what have you. But this was just a little one, and, um, and maybe that's why it caught my attention, because it was only from 2000 on. Mickey, my first objection to the good folks at Entertainment Weekly's uh, selection of these 25 most iconic moments in 25 years, their, their top one for starters was Ellen coming out on her television program. Right. 1997. I suppose if I were gay or lesbian, it might be a bigger deal to me. If you were lesbian, it'd be a big deal to pretty much everybody. But um, I, I just have a very hard time believing that was the single uh, most iconic or consequential uh, event in the past 25 years in the realm of pop culture. But I, it might I, have I, been for that year. 
Uh, I'm not even sure it's the biggest one of 1997, but okay. Um, well, but, I know. mean, again, I, I'm not sure that I agree either, mostly because I remember when that happened and she did the, um, the cover of, what it, was it Time or Newsweek or one of them, and she was on the cover and it just was like, I'm gay, and there were so many parodies floating around that were like, duh. <laughs> um, that it really, to me, I mean, I, I think it was one of those things like, the character was gay and and the argument being made um on the today show which was an interesting one was the reason it was iconic is because it was the first like openly gay character that was kind of accepted um in a sitcom situation and uh and it led to shows like Will and Grace and other shows that we ultimately ended up enjoying quite a bit um, including, you know, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And, and there, it just really kind of opened up. There were a lot more characters um, on TV and available because of that first step. Yeah. I, I think if you went back 25 years ago and you looked at the pop culture landscape of that era, mm-hmm. I think the two things that would jump out at you are, one, between the worlds of television and the worlds of movies, um, and so if you had to give me my list, one of the things that would jump out at me is the show 24 and Kiefer Sutherland doing it. Kiefer Sutherland was a, was a big movie star, right? He hadn't necessarily had a huge hit. But, but that wasn't back in 1997. No, but I'm saying is that transition between back in the 1990s. Oh, where they would movies, never do. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot Tele- more people doing TV than they ever would have. Yeah. And the television was considered second tier, right? It wasn't as glamorous. It wasn't as lucrative. It wasn't as big a deal. Uh, and in fact, if you were a movie star who was returning to television, it was kind of seen down, a sign that you were in trouble. And I think you know, the other great change, in the, particularly in the television landscape, is that not only is television, you know, there are certain shows, certainly I think almost everything done by HBO and you could throw in Showtime and things like that, um, is that the, the really high quality dramas and works on television um, really, really has become considered some of the um, biggest work you can do as an actor because you're playing, you know, you're not playing a character for two hours up on the silver screen. You're playing a character for hours and hours and hours and really kind of showing an audience uh, the full range you can do as, you know, um, James Gandolfini doing Tony Soprano or something. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Absolutely. The, the quality of certain television available now is drawing them in. But the other part of it is that they're not so much box office draws anymore. Um, one of the, you know, the main things to consider is that, you know, a lot of these movies that get made, no one goes and sees them. And at least with television contracts, they can be more lucrative because a lot of times they're better and more people are watching them every week than would go see their movie. Yeah. Um, I think the other flip side and kind of a related aspect of that is that, uh, highest paid man in Hollywood right now is Robert Downey Jr. Playing Iron Man and in the Avengers movies. Um, flip side, you could look at Christian Bale and Morgan Freeman in the Batman movies. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins doing Thor, right? All of a sudden, to do a comic book movie, to do something that was once considered right. kind of juvenile and for kids, now, one, you've got serious actors doing them and generally seeming to have a good Are time. Are you suggesting that Val Kilmer is not a serious actor? <laughs> Actually, no. And in fact, I think, if anything, he might have been... Um, uh, a lot of people have, have beefs with Batman forever, but I don't think Val Kilmer was the problem there. 
I think that you, know, you can lay Val that. Val Kilmer was a great Batman. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'll, and I'll take on any you and any one of our listeners mm. that have any problems with that. Yeah. Val I, Kilmer so, is now a great fat man. I'm sorry, but it's true. Oh, you shush. <laughs> I, I, try not, I don't picture him like that. I don't think of him that way. He'll always be Iceman to you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen closely. This is me chomping my teeth in the microphone. Hey, hey, look, listen. He will always be real genius to me. Ah, okay. Yes, you will uh, always be real genius to me. Yeah. Um, you actually know what I'm going to say? Not only the, the past 25 years, we've seen the rise of the superhero movie. Isn't it safe to say that after a long run of diehard-style action movies, you don't see um, uh, grim, gritty guy with a gun taking on lots of taken, other guys? Taken, taken mm-hmm. two, taken three, uh, okay. that other movie that's just like <laughs> Taken, but it's called something else. How yeah. long will it take for women to know not to hang around with Liam Neeson? And what's more importantly, I'm just glad that they do, because even though these movies are carbon copies of other movies, I don't care. I watch every single one of them. I watched one the other night, um, A Walk Amongst the Tombstones. Mm. Excellent movie. Lots of killing, lots of death. (laughs) That's what I want from my gritty action flick. I don't want them to have, like, feelings. No need for that. In 1990 or so, Liam Neeson was doing Darkman. Um, so maybe the, the story oh. of the past 25 years is a, is a cycle of him going from being the respected drama Oscar bait actor to being the most unlike anybody's ever seen. Um, but he does them and he does them well. And, and you could argue between he and Pierce Brosnan and Bruce Willis is still in the mix um, that the old, you know, the, the, the class of the late 80s and early 90s. Never really went away in terms of taking of doing the action oh, roles. Oh, Lord! Could- Speaking of things that I saw the other night, um, or in the, over my last, I guess, week or so, um, we've been doing because of, of course has been doing nothing but raining. So we, you know, we had to watch things on TV. Have any of you, or and I'm going to pose this to our listeners as well, seen the Grudge match? Oh yes, I went to see that in the theaters. I was I was highly amused. They, the critics hated it. I loved yes. it. It was wonderful. It is with Sylvester Stallone and um, Robert De Niro, and each of them kind of in a weird way parody their Rocky and their Raging Bull character, <laughs> and it's. It's it's funny. My and hero was Kevin Hart. He plays the the down and out son of a Don King type King promoter. And he's trying yes. to and, make and his Kevin own. Hart's fantastic. Trying he's, to make his own way as a as a fight promoter. So he comes up with the idea of having two seventy year old guys who had two fights and one of them won each one, and so they need the third to to break the yeah, grudge and decide who's the winner. And the, uh, it's great. It's really funny. Um, Kevin Hart was fantastic. In fact, I saw him in the Wedding Ringer recently also a really really funny movie he makes about four movies a year he's the busiest hollywood you guy know, and when is. when jim mentioned about iron man i believe i read that kevin hart is gaining on him mm. because he does his shows he produces um you know he does a stand-up comedy he does the hbo specials he does all of these movies i mean he's building an empire by the mm. way guys i wanted to make a suggestion as to the reason why these old uh, high heavyweight gravitas laden movie stars are making marvel comics shows when they didn't used to and i think since whenever i look at an old marvel comic show like flash from the 1980s or what have you the special effects are hideous and comical in the worst sense of the word and now because of computer graphics every superhero movie looks spectacular 
spectacular and could win an Oscar for special effects. It's just You're a, right. It's, a it's fantastic. not as cheesy. It's basically just not as cheesy as far as the technology. It's not cheesy. It's spectacular and, and shockingly interesting and fun to watch. And I have think the stars are seen, aware of that. Have either of you guys seen The Martian? Oh, not yet. It's on my list, uh, although I have, I have a theory about the movie. But to, what, what were you going to tell us about The, Mar- the Martian, Mickey? Well, the, the, the most interesting review that I saw was that it was not just a movie, but an experience. Mm. And it you know, should be seen in a theater, should be seen in 3D. That's all well and good. Matt Damon's in it. Not a chance for me. <laughs> but I, I, I am told that people who have gone to see it are absolutely blown away. I am also told that the Twitter is full of people saying, I was disappointed to learn that this wasn't based on a real-life story. I thought this actually happened. I mean, there are thousands, <laughs> thousands of tweets from people who thought we actually sent a guy to Mars and left him there. <laughs> this is an awesome sequel to Apollo 13. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't help but notice a pattern here. Uh, a little while back, I finally got a chance to see the uh, much-discussed uh, largely praised uh, Nolan movie Interstellar. Uh, in that one, kind of the surprise cameo about halfway through is that Matt Damon is an astronaut who's been left on a faraway planet. And now in this movie, The Martian, Matt Damon is left on a faraway planet. I think we're trying to tell him something. Someone, <laughs> someone tweeted out, and I believe it was Bob Owens, uh, that he suggested that his next movie be that Matt Damon save his damn self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Saving Private Ryan, right? Yeah. Really. Well, and that was the other. Someone else said something to the effect of, and I, I wish I could give these people credit because I don't remember. It was just things that I read and laughed. Um, was the amount of money we would have saved if we had just let Matt Damon go? Because we have gone <laughs> after him to save him way too many times. <laughs> you know, Jason Bourne really should be able to get himself out of these kinds of messes. Okay, That's right. You know. What does Mr. he take you know, those pills for? The talented for? Mr. Ripley combined with Jason Bourne, you would think he'd be able to get out of some of this by himself. But it seems like he's always just floating around in space. And my my biggest problem is that one this obsession with Individuals being out floating in space by themselves. Didn't gravity just do this? <laughs> well, see, what happens is they go up there uh, in space, Mickey, and they get hit by a heavy-handed metaphor and uh, for, for how the uh-huh. audience feels. They had another, the uh, country and- another movie see, recently. And here's the thing. I'm not going to watch any of them. I haven't watched any of them up until this point. You should watch not- uh, one with uh, another Matt, Matthew McConaughey, the one where... Earth Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah, and they they left. Uh, as I recall, they left uh, <laughs> Matt leave Damon behind. They left Matt Damon behind on the girl. planet then too. Oh well, see no. you know. And again, there you go. That's something to look forward to in the film. They'll leave two, Damon two behind. I have I have always personally thought that his his best role um, was in Team America. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. The next time Matt Damon finds himself in trouble, there's at least nine guys who he used to steal stuff with, still living, who could rescue him. Okay, Ocean's Ten can get together and take care. <laughs> of Matt Damon. And then the next option is: isn't his best friend Batman now? Okay, yes, <laughs> best friend is Batman now. Although if I were him, right? I'm telling you right now, when the cop pulls you aside and says, "And what is your name, sir?" I would go. Matt Damon. 
And if that did not work, there's something wrong with the cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something's wrong with the cop. You try that, Mickey. Let us know how it works. And also, not for me, for him. <laughs> that's what he's to, to the Mickey White uh, uh, bail fund. Matt <laughs> <laughs> uh, Damon. Yeah. So uh, maybe the thing is, if there needs to be a movie in which Matt Damon is the guy who stays at home, he says, "No, I'm not going anywhere. That sounds dangerous." And he doesn't buy any <laughs> zoos or do anything. I got a bad. I got a bad track record with this stuff, guys. You just, you just go have that adventure. Kind of, wouldn't it be kind of fun if, like, they're getting Ocean's Eleven? back together or something and he says no i'm done i'm out i'm nah, not doing it i'm busy I oceans can't. nine yeah I- <laughs> <laughs> we're going the wrong way with these sequels the finest the finest in joke since in the expendables when wesley snipes said he was in jail for tax evasion so on that happy note we will be right back after this this is my my max Hedrum. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. And there's more. Because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes. Namely, the Max Hedrum story. (gasps) And afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, my my Max Hedrum. Now, 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 back to the Jim and Mickey show. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And October is passing quickly, which means Halloween is just around the corner. And naturally, on our television dial, things are getting scary. And we don't just mean cable news. (laughs) Mickey, so you're more of a connoisseur of this genre than I am. I am. Uh, What are you watching these days? I I was raised on horror, as our our listeners know. Um, I am a horror connoisseur. And I am a Ryan Murphy fan, so I am all I'm watching Scream Queens, and I am also watching as it just debuted this week, American Horror Story Hotel. And the reason I throw the hotel in is because every single different season is a different storyline. Mm-hmm. They use often the same actors and characters. If you're not familiar with it, there's always something very dark, sometimes very creepy. Um, thus far, he's batting like 50-50 with me because I loved the first season, um, hated the second season, loved the third season, hated the fourth season, and last night left me thinking, hmm, not sure where we're going with this. And my, my full-on response to it at the end of it when I looked at uh, Mr. Bias, who I had forced to watch it, forceful, <laughs> said... Ryan Murphy has no chill. Hmm. Like okay, none. What, what did he mean by that? No, I said that. Okay. Um, right. What did I mean by that? <laughs> Ryan Murphy has no chill, as in he pushes every envelope and every button that you own in an hour. And it's like afterwards, Mr. Vice is like, this is why I don't watch the show with you. It stresses me out. And I'm like, but I love it. And he's like, I know. That is so sad. Um, but Scream Queens is his version of a comedy, also a Ryan Murphy production. Um, his version of a comedy, some of the same people um, that were in some previous American Horror Stories. It's, again, his version of a comedy set in a horror kind of a lot of odes to the old slasher films. There's mixed social messages within and when I say mixed, I mean Ryan Murphy type mixed, like because he tends to not really give the same kind of social messages that other people do. 
Okay, what, it, what kind of, since we don't know, for those who have no idea who Ryan Murphy is, what, what kind of, what's a Ryan Murphy social message? Uh, like for him, he, he has a way of weaving stories together that one, they take time to unfold. And oftentimes you think he is going in one direction entirely, leading you down a path of whether that be a very, you know, left thinking idea or a very right thinking idea. And suddenly, like the reverse. Okay. And um, and in many of his, it's very conflicting um, in, in his characters and the way that they behave because he has a way of layering them in, in that they are related in ways that they did not choose to be. Sounds so, like a man whose characters are going to revolt against him next season. Well, exactly. <laughs> Same kind of, con- yes, that kind of thing. We refuse and, to change our opinions that abruptly. <laughs> yes. And so, it's, and again, every storyline is different. The first one was fantastic um, about a specific house. It's, and then the second one was about an insane asylum, which I detested. And then the third one was about a coven in New Orleans that was absolutely spectacular um, from start to finish. And so then he went and did this whole creepy clown, freaky shy show thing, and I had no time for that. Um, and now this one is about a hotel. where and, and at the end, the music playing was Hotel California. You check in, but you can never leave. So everything's kind of got that horror thing. Now, again, with Scream Queens, however... He's mixed in this ironic, dark comedy thing where it's a mix of Mean Girls and Friday the 13th. Mm. Like, it's just out of control funny. And it reminds me a lot of, like, again, as a horror connoisseur, kind of those almost cheesy 80s slasher movies where, you know, it was always the popular girls, don't have sex, don't do drugs, you're going to end up dead. Only it's kind of the opposite. Um, as far as who ends up being dead first. And <laughs> so it's like it. self-mocking. You can't make a yes. comedy version of it. Yes. It, 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 there's a, it, it's very much a self-mocking. <laughs> it, it, and again, it's probably not for everyone, um, but it, I find it very entertaining. But then again, I have a very warped sense of humor. But again, mm. it's Halloween, so you want to kind of get in that mood of the creepy and the, you know... Again, I'm a big fan of Halloween in general. Is is this is this I forget is is Halloween on the good list or the bad list with you? Oh, it's definitely on the good list. Um, as you're you're laying all that out, a couple things jumping out at me. Uh, one being, I do have to ad- admire any director who finds a group of actors that they like working with and keeps reusing them. Um, I kind of think that's when you do that, you can just kind of see the goodwill and the trust. Uh, and the warmth coming through the screen. I think you can kind of argue that uh, Joss Whedon has a kind of a group of actors he keeps returning to. Uh, and as we all know, every uh, Christopher Nolan movie will have Michael Caine in it forever. Right. Um, you know, there will always be an elderly British gentleman explaining plot points to his protagonist. <laughs> uh, and, and the wife will be dead. Anyway. Um, the, so there, well, and it's that- also very interesting to the audience to see these actors portray so many different types of characters. Hmm. And I imagine uh, probably it's a good challenge to the actors. The thing I would ask you as a, as a longtime viewer of American Horror Story, how does he keep it from being – because the settings sound very different. But inherent in the, in the horror genre is here are some people. They may be good people. They may be bad people. At some point, the booger monster is going to come out and get them. Right? It's, There's always it's the never the booger monster, monster that gets them. Okay. 
Um, again, I, I would I would lean on Coven as one of the best things that's ever been on television. Hmm. And they play not only to the audience, um, but they he has a way of tying in actual historical things that have happened um, and fictionalizing them just enough to make them even creepier or scarier. Oh, well, if somebody's going to run around and fictionalize very realistic recent events, uh-huh. they should buy the weed agency. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Point taken. All right. Carry on. So is the idea that we're the real monsters? That, that whatever. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it comes down to, I mean, there are no boogeymen per se. There's a lot of paranormal activity. But at the heart of them all, there's there's a very human story. Mm. And it was a, no uh, no supernatural evil can really equal man's inhumanity to man or woman's inhumanity. Well, it was interesting last in, in this week's um, premiere. It was interesting because it is set in a hotel. There's a lot of really freaky um, direction being done, I guess, and camera angles and bizarro stuff where you're like, "What is happening?" Which is not all that unusual for the you know for the pilot. Um, however, there was a moment where I thought I should text Jim and tell him to DVR this because it had enough of a Twin Peaks feel. Mm, Magic words. Okay. That I thought that you might like it, but then there was a scene where it reminded me of the, uh, do you remember the scene from seven where they brought the man in to interview and this one was for lust. Yeah. They made him strap on that thing. Yeah, yeah. Just There's about the a most. scene similar to that, only you actually see it. And then I was glad I didn't text you because I felt like that might be a little too intense for you. I, I might not have spoken to you for a while after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'd really like this, Jim. Ah! <laughs> Just call her at 2 a.m. when you lurch up sweating out of bed. Exactly. Yeah. You did this to me. Yeah, I, I was going to say, so the, the other thing is Scream Queens, this is the show that features um, Ariana Grande, am I correct? Well, yes, she was, she was one of the stars, um, also Emma Roberts. Um, it, it's actually a, a pretty star-studded cast and, and headed up by the Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Um, prefacing that this may be a spoiler, this, this question I'm asking because I genuinely don't know, is Ariana Grande dead yet in the show? I cannot tell you that. Okay. <laughs> The, the um, secrets he must die. be Because people die at a pretty rapid rate on the show. Okay. And so I don't want to give away anything for anybody who's listening at any point. I'm old and out of touch. Is this the donut liquor, Ariana Grande? Yeah, I was about to yes. say, she licks the donut. I'm rooting for the serial killer. I'm totally <laughs> on board with it. I am just letting you know that you guys really are harshly judging Ariana Grande <laughs> because she's extremely talented. And she has beautiful voice and she has big pipes. But anyway... Um, yeah, she's, and again, star studded cast, had it out by, again, Jamie Lee Curtis. There's a great picture floating around. Again, maybe I'll grab that and try to get that up on our Facebook page or, or beg um, Jim to do it. A picture of Jamie Lee Curtis recreating the very famous shower scene that her mom, Janet Lee, performed in Psycho. Wow. And it's okay. really cool. I would have been in for that about 10 years ago. Not so sure now. I, I will tell you, um, it was the the facial similarities, et cetera, I had never really noticed. And then it was like, wow, 
Dave, I understand, actually, spoiler alert, that the most frightening scene with Jamie Lee Curtis is she's about to be uh, attacked by a serial killer when she turns and explains to him that yogurt can help keep him regular. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) And then we realize that Jamie Lee... You guys have no appreciation for horror films if you do not appreciate the value of Jamie Lee Curtis being involved in this project. Because, one, John Carpenter obviously made her famous during the Halloween series, but... She is the scream queen. She um she offered up many things to us, including I believe one was called Prom Night, and several others. And um, you know there are a lot of things that scare me in the world. One of them is children, and one of the hardest things um, when dealing with them, I guess, out in public is when is when is it okay to tell the parents it's time for the, your kid to go be quiet. When is it time for you to be quiet? We're going to talk about all of that next. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you are listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. When it comes to the music of the 90s, anything goes. Right here, right now. Watching the world wake up from history. Got Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes. Check it out. You'll be amazed at who you'll find on Living in the 90s. There are sex symbols. What's up, Doc? Cherry Rock. Basketball stars. What's up, Doc? Cherry Rock. Legendary artists. Living in the 90s has the songs you know, the songs you love, and the songs you just can't live without. Can't touch this. There's only one thing left to say about living in the 90s. You're unbelievable. To order, call the number on your screen or send check a money order. Two CDs, $26.99. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And from Scream Queens to Screaming Kids. Yes, there is a new survey conducted by the online travel site Expedia asking those who work for hotels who are their worst pay- who are their worst customers, who are the worst people to walk through the doors. And lazy, inconsiderate parents outranked other aggravating guest behaviors, such as hell- hallway hellraisers and complainers, the nitpicky for the smallest inconveniences. Mickey, does this result surprise you at all? No. Okay. Now, you spent a lot of time in the road in recent years. Um, yes. Would you concur those are the absolute worst guests, or did you ever encounter other, you know, say, say strange men hitting on you or things like that? <laughs> okay, yes. I... I... I have been, I, well, I've traveled the majority of my career and stayed in a lot of hotels, uh, racked up a lot of miles and points because I'm a point whore. Um, Hilton, if you're listening, please feel free to throw me some extra <laughs> Um But having said that, yes, I have had some odd encounters with some strange men on the road that were weird. But uh, like as a consistent traveler, the one thing that consistently is bad is people who are traveling with children. Um, between the running down in the hallways, the breakfast in the morning when all I want is my coffee, and they're so loud. And, and again, you know, 
I am not, however, as bold as to say the person who recently left a note, it kind of went viral because <laughs> the parents next to them were sitting with a child that apparently was quite loud and they suggested they hope they enjoyed their dinner because theirs was ruined due to the screaming child next to them, which, of course, we talked about the the woman in, in uh, is it New Hampshire, mm-hmm. that kicked out the family with the screaming child as well. And, you know, what are we doing to the point where, one, parents are not recognizing that if your child is misbehaving. I remember when I was little, if you were loud, it wasn't, I wasn't worried we were going to get kicked out. Mm-hmm. Because if I was misbehaving at the table, my mom would have dragged me out by one arm, like, till we were outside and, like, we're done. You know, like, if you he- can't act right in public, we're not taking you in public. Okay, I, I picture this conversation, you and I, if, if you and I had known each other and had this conversation 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I would have had a very different tone. And I would have offered you the standard, ah, what is wrong with parents today? They are far <laughs> too lenient. They're afraid to stand up to their kids. This is a reflection of the everybody gets a trophy, you know, whiner culture, you know, lock up the kids and, and don't let them out and, you know, let them out when they're 18. <laughs> <laughs> and? A good eight years into parenthood. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I look at these parents with a great deal more sympathy um, and, and a recognition that, first of all, parents don't know. I mean, I've been blessed. My, my boys generally behave pretty darn well, including uh, on our trip to on the National Review Cruise. They behave very well in some very fancy restaurants in Seattle. I, I, I was, I, so I, no I, French fries on the floor, smash into the no, seats, things fancy like Italian that. Place. Okay. And the place, the place was nice. They said, well, you, you kids want spaghetti and meatballs? Make you spaghetti and meatballs. You know, they... They put a plate of prosciutto in front of them, like, oh, it's ham. And they just, you know, they, they behave fantastically. Can you know, then you count mm-hmm. in the... Yes, the, your uh, children are perfect. We get that. Well, I, look, I, I, was, I, I was pleasantly surprised, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And I'd say on the cruise, they're about 90% of what I wanted to see. And that 10% we're just not going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. But Because, again, know, they're perfect. You don't know how your kid's going to behave in any given situation, unfortunately. And, no, but it is your reaction to their behavior that yes. counts. Like, if you do the... You know, if they start flipping out, which a child is going to do at any given point, it is your reaction whether you allow them to not only spoil your meal but those around you or if you at least take that child outside and have a talking with them and calm them down, you know, drop the tears, drop the screaming, or we go home right now. All right. And that's where I think it, it irritates people. And again, you're talking to someone. I did this with a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, from four years old on. And so we went through some horrible, you know, dreadful periods of time. Um, and But he knew that when out in public, you acted better than you acted at home. Yeah. Period. I, I want you to just picture Michael Bean in the original Terminator film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, the, the, his speech about, you know, just instead of Terminators, just think toddlers. Toddlers <laughs> cannot be bargained with. They cannot be reasoned with. They don't feel pity or remorse or even fear. And they absolutely will not stop ever until they get a cookie. (laughs) And then if you give them the cookie or showing weakness, they choose a new larger goal and start the process again. Yeah, you are so right about that. Public meltdown gets them a cookie, right? So you're basically saying have four meltdowns in public. That's how you get yeah, that's how out of desperation I will get you have all leverage with the public meltdown, right? I had a public meltdown with my sister. I was not a toddler, I hate to admit, um, because she's seven years younger than I am, so obviously I was not a toddler. Um and 
and we had a a group meltdown that I encouraged because I wanted a large stuffed pony, <laughs> and we were going through the store, and I knew that if I could get her the toddler <laughs> to throw a fit, we'd get that pony. Oh, and we did. <laughs> We did. I still have that pony in <laughs> There are things that are that are unsolvable about this, though, guys. I was flying to uh, London about uh, 12, 13 years ago and sat down about 7 p.m. to start the flight, which meant that after six hours in the air, it was the next morning in Britain because you lose another six hours going over there. So I, you know, took an Ambien and said, I'm just going to get as much sleep as I can. And instead, I got a two-year-old kicking the back of my seat for six solid, uninterrupted hours. I don't Ooh, think the little guy even oh went God. to the bathroom. I mean, well, not, six not hours. Not in the laboratory, no. <laughs> See, I, and unfortunately, I know that I would end up being the bitch in this situation <laughs> because I would be like, I'm so sorry, but your child seems to be kicking me consistently, and I just took an Ambien, and I'd like to get some rest, so maybe you guys could switch seats. You can kick the guy next to me. I had a couple of those conversations, but there were two other children, even smaller, next to her on the other side, and she was tending to them because they were Should genuine they have infants. separate travel for children? Uh, no, just cages. Cages would be fine. Oh, oh. Sound you know? where Okay, listen. What you do is you turn around to the kid. You give him a little wave, a little smile. You kind of, kind of a little gesture, like to bring in closer because you want to listen to him. You want to whisper to him. Uh-huh. When he leans closer, you say, hey, you know that kicking you're doing? I know someday you're going to be on the U.S. soccer team. But until now, for the next six hours, if you kick me again, I'll cut your foot off. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a horror movie. And you smile, you know, you look real friendly. You know, and when his eyes are about the size of pie plates, that you kind of know. <laughs> that's what you got through. They're going to behave. And they have, maybe they have nightmares of you that night. No, here's the thing. I think most parents, um, in most circumstances, I'd like to think most parents are, are mortified. Now, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being too kind. Maybe they really genuinely don't care. Maybe they're too sleep deprived uh, to be aware of the existence of other human beings and things like that. Right? <laughs> Um, I, I think that most parents are already mortified enough, and I don't think I, I had one incident when uh, my older son was uh, younger than two, and somebody said something snippy to my wife about, "Well, if you learn to discipline your child, you wouldn't have these problems." Um, and I, I'm not Ooh, look, I'm not saying I'm on a TSA watch list. Words. I'm not saying there was an air rage incident, but uh, we came close to it. And if I had heard it at the time. Um, Let's just say, you know, all the oxygen masks would have been coming down, right? It would have been. <laughs> well, yes, Garrity, you're known for your calmness. Well, you know, so, so uh, look, Mo. All I can see is the best they Mrs. Can campaign spot and the two children and your head just exploding all over the place when you feel like they have somehow insulted your family. Yes. Well, here's the other thing is that, again. And, and you would suddenly be on the no-fly list, like yeah, forever. A, a tough lesson is that you getting angry does not improve things. And it's been a, a tough lesson I've had to learn and relearn many times over. Um, but so I, I try to, I would say, look, I would urge people to have sympathy to parents who are trying to travel with small children. Most parents are wise enough to realize they shouldn't do it, you know, um, in excess. Um, but again, I, I do also think this kind of reflects a more broadly anti-parenting, anti-culture or anti-children vibe to our culture. That's well, right. Isn't Post-60s. that a perfect kind of segue into your book is now available, which is, is it, all Mickey? about <laughs> parenting and fatherhood. 
and raising children. The book is called Heavy Lifting, I believe. Is that correct, Jim Garrity? It is, and it's uh, available for pre-order on Amazon. We may, I, I may at some point put up a link on the, the Facebook page, like everywhere else I have. Okay, um, and I have, I have linked it out as well. You can find the hashtag Heavy Lifting, um, and there's a link to the Amazon. Again, that's pre-order only. And uh, it is going to be on sale in October a little bit later. But if you want to get your copy now at a discount price, get get it at Amazon. And the most exciting thing about this is that not only is Jim Garrity an author, but so is Cam Edwards. So I'm hoping we're going to have him on the show here in a few weeks where we can actually sit down and talk to both of them about their book. And uh, and I'll just kind of play interviewer. What do you guys think about that? You can do that. You know what you're going to want to ask about is the chapter on fashion advice. Um, because there's a, there's a cameo appearance by somebody, uh, you might know. Yes. Um, I, I, I have, uh, I have heard and, uh, and seen some, some evidence that indicate that, um, someone I'm familiar with very, uh, very familiar with makes a cameo someone appearance. Someone you see in, in the mirror book. every day. So. Someone I see in the mirror every day makes a cameo appearance in this book. So, um, obviously I encourage all of our listeners to get out and buy it and to spread the word, um. We are tired of our kids living in our basements, and Jim and Cam have been kind enough to uh, put together some really encouraging stories about why it's cool to grow up and why it's good to fall in love and have children and not be a nihilistic bastard living in your mom's basement. Um, but speaking of basements and things that scare me to death, I love a good ghost story, the kind that you've heard from your own hometown some kind of legend that isn't an urban legend. It's a legend in your town that you believe to be true. Uh, we're going to talk about those and some other Halloweeny things on the other side. I'm Mickey White, along with Jim Garrity and our producer, Dave Perkins. You're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. What is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. Player. Player. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And one of the fastest hours of our week is once again nearly at a close. Mickey, this goes by too fast every single week. It really does. And uh, at some point, hopefully, maybe we'll be doing it more than once a week. But for right now, it is my favorite hour of the week um, because I get to spend it with you two and our listeners. And I really want to, um, I kind of head into it coming into the segment, but I really want to encourage our listeners to um, contact us with some really good ghost stories. And um, some of the best ones, we'd kind of like to get you on the air to tell the ghost stories. So um, we are asking you to reach out to us via Twitter at Jim and Mickey. Um, you can also find us at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. You can also email us Jim and Mickey show at gmail.com. So there are plenty of ways. And of course, on soundcloud.com um, forward slash Jim and Mickey show, where you can always find our show, there's also a place for comments. So you can tell your story there um, or at least get an email to us so that we can hear your ghost story. And hopefully then you can share it with um, our listeners over the next several weeks. We uh, leading up to Halloween, one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite holidays. It's uh, you're one of those few uh, holidays that can run the spectrum from cute kids running around getting candy to like, you know, freaking people out, mischief on devil's night or mischief night, you know, 
scaring the hell out of people and uh, associated with serial killers. It, it really runs the gamut, Nikki. <laughs> well, it, it does. And then, of course, there's the sexy costumes. Oh, that's right. Yes. The, you know. And I've already started looking at my costumes for this year. In fact, it, ironically, I bought a skirt earlier um, this week that I absolutely adored, brought it home, showed it, it to Mr. Bias, and he assumed it was for a Halloween costume. It was not. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, I was not pleased. Slow death. Um, but he's like, you laugh now. And he's like, you're mad now, but you end up wearing that on Halloween. He's like, and you know I'm going to be right. <laughs> and, um, and, and unfortunately, I have no ideas about what I'm going to be for Halloween. Although a lot of people have suggested Jem, um, the cartoon character, because of my pink hair currently. Wow, and, movie coming out. They're bringing it back. Yeah, the movie's coming out, so there's costumes. It's totally outrageous. Available. I could be totally rad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But one of my favorite parts of Halloween is, in fact, a really good ghost story, the kind that make the you know chill bumps and the hair on the back of your neck stand up. So I'm hoping that our listeners um, can contact us uh, via all those different ways I just said and, uh, and, and tell us a good ghost story. Are, do you have a short one? That you could share? Are are you familiar with one from your hometown? Uh, my my life was pretty uh pretty ghost free, honestly. Um, <laughs> Why am I not surprised at all? Yeah, Monday. I didn't. You know grow what? Up I'm gonna have. I, we're gonna tell a different. I, I'll tell you what. This is a tease for um, when we get to the ghost story show. I have a ghost story, and it involves Jim Garrity. And um and and we're gonna talk about that and uh and 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 and, and you can decide the truth is out there isn't that what you guys say or whatever you guys yes you know Dave and I get together we right. not you guys all those X file fans the truth is out there I'm Mulder he's Scully let's get that straight right now <laughs> I think it's you know I grew up in an area maybe because it was rural Pennsylvania where urban legends were not so much urban legends but actually very rural and some felt very real and we were let's just say I was inclined to go looking and so I find myself interested in you know paranormal shows and activity and horror movies and things like that so I, I know I'm not alone because there's a whole group of genre out there um, of people who love it and they do well and they keep creating these shows and movies and so I'm really interested in what our listeners have to share with us. And again, I'm going to force um, and share a story about a ghost that involves Jim Garrity. And, uh, and, and if that's not a tease, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I... <laughs> when 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 you start to do that uh, uh uh thing, even at the end of the show, <laughs> I know that I have done something correct. By the way, before it's over, Jim, I want to congratulate you. I think I heard your name on the Rush Limbaugh show more than any other week that I've been paying attention to. He really leans on you. It is a blessing whenever Uncle Rush mentions that. So <laughs> I, I think easily uh, Rush being mentioned, you know, being mentioned by Rush. It makes the second biggest show I do of the week compared to this one. And now he's been mentioned on this show, which is only fair. We're, doing, we're, we're just, you know, we're scratching each other's back. Rush and I are like this. <laughs> are we self-promoting right now? Do I get to tell people that I've been contributing to TMZ? That's a good point. You want to talk about like pop culture, you know, packing a punch, man. That's, you know, I, I am very impressed by that. There's no well, stopping. You. you look very good appearing by Skype. I, I say, you know, you, 
Yes, I've been doing some. They've been contacting me to do some appearances concerning some pop culture ideas, and you know, it's a lot of fun and it's cool. Don't and leave me like, behind, guys. Don't leave me behind when you're I mean, famous. We go nowhere without you. We are the <laughs> three you had said, you know, where does Rush Limbaugh meet TMZ? Only on the Jim <laughs> Only on show. The that, that is our. That's the, we're, the, we're in that center of that Venn diagram right there. We are. God, that's crazy. We're so much cooler than both of them. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Well, that's not uh, bad. Bad mouth anybody who's friendly to us. No, no, they're all cool. Everyone, <laughs> everyone is. We are cool socialists. Everyone is equally cool. Everyone so, is equally cool. Everyone, everyone Jim loves cool. everyone. This is the best part because he's the one who's always so grumpy. But whenever I say anything even remotely controversial, he's the first one who's like, "No, no, no. We love everyone." <laughs> Let's put that fire out right Let's here. Let's just go ahead and squelch that right now. You send Mickey all that hate mail. Because none of that is true for the entire show. And uh, we have come to the end again. And we're pressed for time. So this is our heartbreak goodbye. And we will be back next week. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. You've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. See you next week. <laughs>